Hello and welcome to Social Justice Matters, the podcast from Social Justice Ireland. My name is Suzanne Rogers and I'm Research and Policy Analyst with Social Justice Ireland. As regular listeners will know, at this point we release three different types of podcasts. We've got a 10-minute lesson series, the aim of which is to educate and inform listeners on particular areas of policy, our seminar series where we provide opportunities to listen back to some of the most important presentations we've held at past events and then we have our interview series where we chat to experts on a range of policy areas. This week it's one of those. I'm joined by Ashling O'Hara who's Service Manager for Youth Services and Community-Based Housing with Galway Simon Community. As the numbers of people without a home are on the rise yet again, she talks with me specifically about youth homelessness, the impact the resource needs and what they would like to see in the forthcoming youth homeless strategy. So I suppose firstly to say thank you very much for your time, I really appreciate it. And secondly, it's a conversation just about youth homelessness. So it's a very specific group of people that we're discussing. How is it defined? Yeah, so I suppose young people who are homeless usually come under the 18 to 25 bracket. I suppose anything under 18 then is still classified as a child within the Irish Irish constitution. So therefore they would be maybe under state care. And so they probably wouldn't be experiencing homelessness unless they were in with the family, maybe in family emergency accommodation. But youth homelessness is defined as kind of in the age bracket of 18 to 25. And they would be the head of their own household. So this would be a young person on their own or maybe okay. two young people as a couple experiencing right. homelessness. Again, sort of how is how is the homeless part of it defined? If I know if I understand now who the youth part yeah. of it is, how is the homeless bit defined? Yeah, so I suppose in terms of the homeless piece, yes, overcrowding is a really big one. Couch surfing, again, that precarious accommodation right. um is what we're seeing quite a lot at the moment. Roofless you wouldn't probably see that as much. You wouldn't see a lot of rough sleeping in Galway City mm. with young people between the ages of 18 and 25. However, I suppose young people who are homeless are, you know, it's on the increase. I think there, I have a stat from from 2021. Uh, the increase in the number of young adults living in emergency accommodation was 44%. Wow. So there was a huge increase between 2020 and 2021. <laughs> That's really concerning, especially when you think of all the the measures that went into eviction bans and rent supports of, of all years. Extremely concerning, yeah. I suppose, yeah. Look, and in, in, in terms of that, we really what we're really seeing it, for young people more so is that real hidden homelessness piece. Okay. So again, they're staying with a friend, they're staying on a the couch, they're staying with a cousin but they really don't have anywhere to go and they don't really know how long that place is going to last. So they're really kind of bouncing from one place to the next with no clear security, no clear direction as to, you know, what's the next step, where's the next move. And, you know, even if you look at that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like within that we have the security piece and, you know, a roof over your head is that security. So it really is a basic human human right and, and level of need I suppose for somebody is that security piece so we have see a lot of young people that just don't have that at the moment yeah I mean for me personally I think that that housing security all other rights flow from that so yes. unless you have that your legal right to this or your you know your economic right to that are really irrelevant if you don't have somewhere that you can close the door put your stuff up on a shelf and be master of that space. And as you said, that the ability to grow and learn as well and have that basis without that, everything else is really, really secondary. And are there 
what do they call it, intersectionalities. Is there certain cohorts of younger people then that are more at risk? Is it is there a gender aspect to it? Is there intergeneration aspects to it? Yes. Um, we would definitely see that there's definitely pockets of different okay. cohorts of young people. One of those, yes, a gender piece, you, a lot of the referrals are male. Okay. So young males in the 18 to 25 age bracket are more prominent. Those type of referrals are more prominent than female. However, we're, you know, female referrals are still there also. Young people leaving the care system are particularly at risk. A lot of foster placements end yeah. once the young person is 18. And if they can't stay on, then where do they go? So that's a real prominent cohort. Young people then who might have been on the cusp of care, you know, as a, you know, there may have been kind of child welfare concerns as a child, but they just never met that criteria for going into care. Mm. That cohort is what we're really seeing. Um, and and th- those young people are coming with with a lot of trauma, a lot of serious issues in their lives. And, and, you know, I suppose trying to we're trying to support them through that just as much as maybe someone that might have come through the care system. So we're finding some of those needs are really, really high at the moment. Other cohorts then was young travellers and any young people who are from a minority group, I suppose, are coming into services or coming to the attention of of homeless services. And and another at risk cohort then are young people um, young couples or young people who may be pregnant. So that's something that maybe in the last couple of years we've been really seeing young people who are homeless who are pregnant. Those referrals are more and more concerning because I suppose in terms of the housing stock, affordability, availability of properties, it's very, very concerning. The young people are obviously on a lower payment if they're if they're getting social welfare. It's 112.70 is a payment for an 18 to 25 year old. So there's no incentive at all to kind of support them now so that's a huge barrier a massive barrier so income is just massive and then like you have other things like you know lack of references so a young person Mm -hmm. that's 18 or 19 up against a a professional at a viewing you know who's going to get it and that kind of maturity all of that Mm -hmm. stuff comes to play when they're kind of looking for a house and they're going to viewings and there's a queue of 50 people ahead of them with pieces of paper suits on and maybe 1400 euro cash in their hand it's very difficult there's lots there for me now to unpack and i suppose the first one would be as an 18 year old if you can no longer remain in your family home you will enter the private rented accommodation because you're too young i mean even if you were to go on a social housing waiting list you'll be a long time before you'll get a social house so you're into the private rented market and as you said there are no private rental properties. I mean, they're locked out from June. So I suppose locked out just for anybody who's maybe not sure what I'm talking about. Simon do a report, is it a couple of times a year, two, three times a year, and look at what rental accommodation is available across the country. And of that rental accommodation, what's available for those who are in receipt of housing assistance payment. And the recent one showed a real marked decrease in the number of rental properties available. And more so again, for those in receipt of HAP, So if you're 19 or 20, you're more than likely going to be, again, you know, either either in a low paid job. There was a NERI paper recently which showed that young people are more likely to be earning minimum wage jobs, precarious jobs, or you're on a lower social welfare rate. That's what you're up against then. So if you're on a hundred and something quid a week and you're trying to access the private rented market, they don't meet in the middle anywhere. Sure, they don't. 
No, and I had a case recently where, now just to, to note that if a young person who is on a reduced payment mm. accessed this HAP, their payment can be increased to the full amount. Okay. That's a positive. But I did have a case, and I haven't come across this before, where we had a young young lady who was um, pregnant and she went out on illness benefit on her last kind of month of her pregnancy. And then, therefore, she had no, she didn't have enough credits to pay for her illness benefit, but we were able to kind of secure a payment for her. Now, that payment piece was, was put back on us, I suppose. And as a homeless organisation, you need, really need to sort out her payment because her HAP will not be approved mm. on a payment of 11270 yeah. So <laughs> basically, the young, woman, the, young, the young mother was unable to accept, access HAP because her payment was too low. That's the bit that I really struggle to get my head around. So what you're saying is that you're actually too poor to receive the housing benefits that you need to access to be able to put a roof over your head. Yeah, so until her... I suppose until that roof was identified, then her payment could be increased to the, I suppose, the higher rate, and then she'd be able to access housing. But I suppose it was like you're like you're saying there; it's very hard to get your head around that in this case her payment was too low, and she wouldn't be able to sustain, okay. um, sustain a tenancy because her payment was too low. So she's eight months pregnant, which is already hard without having to deal with all of that on top of it. So. I suppose that's another thing as well, like the, the impacts, and you said it at the beginning, the impact of being without secure, stable, affordable accommodation are well documented. But on people who are young, this is impacting on relationships, on employment, on education, on their physical and mental health. Absolutely. Two of the biggest pieces that we would see is that kind of sense of belonging mm-hmm. um, and, and isolation that feeds into is all this other stuff so you know we would we would be seeing like increased you know increasing issues around mental health anxiety the isolation piece I suppose is just really concerning because then it really young people don't want to interact within their, within their communities they're afraid the the trust is gone in services I don't you know they, they just the sense of belonging piece is really key but it's the trust and piece that you need to work around to kind of build up that um, in terms of their mental and physical health, it's, you know, it's detrimental. Homelessness is detrimental to anybody's mental and physical health. But I suppose if you even look at adolescence and like, I mean, Will, William or G. Stanley Hall talked about that storm and stress model and what that actually is. And it's the transition from from adolescence or, you know, into adulthood. Um, and it's a period of turmoil. Mm-hmm. It's a period of stress any any young people a person who who's in that transitional period is already going through a whirlwind of emotions a whirlwind of different um stressors in their lives and then add homelessness to this you're talking you know the, the impacts that it has on their physical mental well-being engaging in education engaging in employment and then their relationships with people you know and that trust i suppose is the biggest thing that we find we need to try and enrich that so that the young person will trust us and there's a, there's a body of evidence kind of written around that piece that if you can support someone to build up those trusting relationships, there's better outcomes for resilience at the end of it. And I suppose one of the, the key pieces that I would see or that we would see here um, in Galway Simon and working with young people is the model of care is very, very important. So I think 
really you have to but you can't just go in with a social care mm-hmm. kind of approach to this you really have to think about okay what are we doing and what kind of model of care are we using here and I suppose youth the youth work principles are really really important to kind of bring into that so that you're you're a youth worker and you're just working with young people who happen to be homeless those principles like resiliency participation client-centered approach always some of those things are really really important and and work you know support the sense of belonging but the resilience down the road that they can eventually move on to live full independent lives and not be entrenched in homeless services for the rest of their lives and not get into that habitual homelessness cycle and hopefully never need the help of services again because they would have built on upon those independent living because we would find that young people would come in to our accommodation and they don't even know how to put on the washing machine you know so it's building from scratch with young people and um, but it's using a really tailored approach nuanced approach to that and I think borrowing elements of youth work practice embedding that within it is really really important. I think that's that's one of the key words I think you've used there is nuance so a one-size-fits-all approach to homelessness isn't appropriate when you're dealing with with young people who are homeless so I appreciate a home is the answer to homelessness so that's that's your bottom line but just by providing a front door and a key isn't going to be enough as you said for somebody who's maybe never lived independently doesn't understand how to manage their money doesn't understand how to put a wash on doesn't know what to do with an ESB bill when it comes in so is it almost like the housing first approach as well so that the supports are there to settle somebody into living independently yeah I suppose overall reflection on the youth homelessness strategy a youth homeless housing first would be you know something that really needs to be looked at I suppose that any long-term housing solution for young young people is really in my eyes a preventative measure you're preventing people from coming into services when they're adults and when they're older adults you know that it's a huge preventative measure measure what we need to be looking at is like some form of transitional housing supported housing um, something like what we do here in Galway Simon Community Youth Service but that is really really important for young people it's so difficult to try and, and gain accommodation and also the young people that we talked about some of those cohorts of young people just don't have those skills mm-hmm. needed to sustain a tenancy but if you put those those pieces in for young people they would be supported mm-hmm. to full, live fully independent lives a lot a, a lot of young people need that support they need to know how to live they need to know how to budget they need to know how to save they need to know how to pay a bill they need to know how to cook clean put on a washing machine hang up clothing and manage their front door how to say no to people they need to learn boundaries and in 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 some of the cases that we're seeing a lot of the young people don't have any of those and you mentioned the youth homelessness strategy which we're still waiting on the consultation piece of it did five questions that went out into the consultation. Could we maybe go down through those and just even just give me a highlight of what it is that you would be looking for from the strategy? So the first one then is, how do you think the housing needs of young people differ from those of other age groups? The age demographic in itself, and I suppose something that we talked about earlier about mm. that period of transition from uh, you know adolescence into adulthood is a really significant time for a young person. So even just the age demographic, just that alone 
is very, very important, you know, and that makes it different mm -hmm. because it's a transitional period. They're at a different developmental stage. Was the need of young people, again, something that we did talk about in around, you know, th those skills that need to be developed. And sometimes somebody's, somebody's 18, 19. So some of those behaviours are ingrained, you know, they're learned behaviours and it can be very, very difficult to support someone to, you know, to understand that you have to prioritise your rent because if you don't prioritise your rent and you don't have a roof over your head, then there is really serious consequences. So that takes can take a lot of work. Housing needs of young people and how they would differ from those in other age groups. But I mean, is that something even as simple as apartments in, in a block where you've got other people around you close to a city centre. So if I'm yeah. middle-aged and I have a car, I might be okay with accessing a house out in the countryside. That's not going, so even just something as simple as the type of housing yeah. would be. Yeah, so the would, type of housing. Yeah, ideally, like young people need, you know, most young people would, would need to be in a busy kind of environment where there's accessible resources around them. There might be the cinema or there might be their local GA group or there might be art classes or even if they were attending counselling or any type of meetings or work, education, within a bus route, somebody maybe in, in, in middle age might be able to kind of drive in, commute from the country or um, and then again, you're talking about resources as well. So yeah. if a young person is on a lower payment, you know, they need to be accessible to all types of services within the community. It's very important that they're placed appropriately. Yeah. So is there, there's a difference, as you said, between the supports they get and also just the physical location of where they would be. The second question they had asked in the consultation was, what do you believe are the main barriers to young people accessing housing? Yeah, so there's multiple barriers, I suppose, affordability, as we spoke about earlier, competition, lack of housing, stock, uh, lack of choice, their age is a barrier, HAP is a barrier. Again, you're, you're talking about somebody kind of turning up with cash and then if somebody is reliant on HAP, that can be difficult for some, even though it's not supposed to be yeah. turned down. It's not supposed to be, but I suppose landlords do say no to HAP. Payment and income is a huge one. Um, a young person having a lack of references or having a lack of maturity or experience around what it means to rent, what it means to, you know, have their own tenancy. Young people having to be creative, so having to go to local schools for references and different places or places they volunteered just to get a reference. So you're finding that young people are really have, we're having to come up with really innovative ideas just to get a reference. So at one point, I think we had a reference from a pastor you know character references and school secretaries and and even how that presents to a prospective landlord so that's really difficult i think those are kind of the main barriers and again coming out of care is a barrier to for young people to access housing again being young is yeah. a barrier i think like a, a lot of young people would come to us and say i'd love my own little one bed place mm. but there is no little one bed yeah. places anymore um, and then the competition for those those few one bed apartments is, is just so difficult. And then we have other people in services who are also looking out for those one bed places and then other people who are in, you know, high paid jobs in competition for those places. So it's just extremely difficult. And I know we had discussed as the main risk factors that result in young people becoming homeless, because the bottom line, I suppose, is that they are they can no longer remain in the family home in whatever shape or form that took. 
Um, family breakdown is really a big part of it. And then they end up couch surfing or they end up, you know, in precarious accommodation. And then that impacts on mental health. So I suppose that's a huge risk factor. Addiction then maybe comes into play as well. As you said, just family breakdown in and of itself is going to impact mental health. And and then to have that lead to homelessness. I suppose this is probably the key questions here are what services and or initiatives do you think should be introduced to prevent homelessness and or support young people exiting homelessness? Yeah, so I suppose like we discussed, you know, targeted supports, you know, around the at risk group. So one of those things was that model of care is very, very important so that it's, you know, you're, you're using elements of your youth work, of youth work practice within your kind of interactions with young people. I suppose initiatives as well, like something like Youth Housing First. Um, I know CAS for Care Leavers has been initiated across the country um, in Galway. It, it's, you know, we're actively working with the CAS piece as well. And so that basically is housing for long term housing for young people. So something like that, but that an extension of that to all young people, I think really is the main piece in this. And again, it's a preventative piece. Which is all make, makes sense, no matter what you're talking about, preventative pieces are always much more effective because it's, I know that, you know, people will be looking at the economic cost, but when you look at the cost in lives and young people not allowed to flourish because of this when if something had been put in place quicker and then this is probably the the doozy of the question what top five priorities should the strategy focus on ideally what would you like to see when the strategy comes out i suppose long-term accessible housing for young people and and a real kind of focus on the at-risk cohorts an interdepartmental approach to this so that it's not just homeless services coming in, that it's actually all of the other, like the Department of Child and Youth Affairs working. And I suppose that's what this youth strategy is, is about. Young people in care, involvement from Tusla, Department of Edu- Education, all an interdepartmental approach and really, really important in this. Um, so that everybody can work together to come up with pre- youth homelessness prevention ultimately. Yeah, no, that makes sense that... Because it isn't just a housing issue, it's a health issue, it's a justice issue, it's an education yeah. issue. It, it goes right the way across the board and it just makes sense. Was there some? Was there anything that you kind of felt was missing in the consultation process? Yeah, just the piece around, I suppose, young people who are pregnant. It's really, and, and becoming homeless is really prominent. And um, so that really needs, and it's, it's, a, it's a niche area and it does need a particular focus. And I suppose the fo- focus is not only around prevention for homelessness, prevention then in terms of maybe child protection being involved in the future as well and prevention for young people like entering family hubs and um you know so that that's a really important piece that that needs to be addressed and looked at it's nearly getting into that intergenerational piece as well so it's something that we really really try i think is we really need to try and address now and before the problem just gets out of control yeah because i think there was a piece i think from canada where children who experience homelessness now as children not as not as young adults but as children are much more at risk of becoming homeless as adults so as you said if you've got this this sort of cyclical intergenerational thing it's bad at the moment if we don't fix it now we'll be still having this conversation in 2050 or 2060 discussing the same 
the same things, which I think as lovely as it would be to chat to you again in 2050 or 2060 would be ultimately very depressing. Yes, absolutely. And I suppose what's striking is that your at-risk group is young men who are usually generally top of the pile. And it's odd, it isn't in a way that they are probably going to go on a social housing list and be the last to be housed because they are young, healthy men. So it's strange that that's been kind of flipped on its head, that they are, they, they come last when it comes to something like this. Yeah. It's weird. And I suppose just it's important, to, I think, young people, I suppose some, some of the kind of referrals, most of the referrals are young males, but I suppose I think we need to just look at young people as a whole mm. um, and address it as a young person issue, yeah, as opposed yeah. to young male, young female young pregnant person young traveler young minority group young i think young people is probably the the piece that we need to deal with and as you said to be able to put supports in place now to get young people through this rather than either a cyclical in and out of homelessness or that they don't end up being kind of long term it's not fair sure it's not that one cohort just doesn't seem to be able to get the supports they need no no, and it's not. And, and look, I suppose on the on the flip side, it is good that there are services out there who have the expertise kind of to, to work with young people and see them move on and see them kind of butterfly through this process of turmoil. But then they're, they're also coming out the other end of it. And it's like, I've got my own place. I've got a job. I'm managing my bills. I'm managing my rent. I don't need you anymore. <laughs> Ultimately, it's the, it's the sentence that we want to hear. We want yeah. to hear then we, there's nothing else we've got yeah. everything yeah. you know so that's so when you see that and you come out the other end of it you know it's it's just a real fulfilling experience an organization like yourselves that's the end game isn't it to no longer exist ultimately yeah. that would be the, yeah. be the goal <laughs> unfortunately i don't think that's that's going to happen but um you know now in galway in the city suburbs you're looking at at least maybe two and a half grand, 2,000 euros for a three-bed house. I think one, a, th- a small three-bed house went up in the Nocnacara area the other day for 1,800. It's just too much, you know, it's just too much. And it's not, you know, this is why people are becoming homeless. Thank you for listening. And if you have any ideas for future podcasts, any conversations that you'd like us to have, please feel free to email us at secretary at socialjustice.ie with your suggestions. Until next time, stay safe.